Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Good morning. Happy New Year. Great group out this morning. and Thank you for being here on the first day of the new year. Now I'm curious this morning, how many of you stayed up past midnight? Look at there. How about that? All right. And you're here at church this morning. Wonderful. Good. And I uh, hope you'll stay awake this morning as a result of staying up. And uh, you want to make sure the new year came in. It came in just fine, right? And I looked at it from the back of my eyelids. And uh, so I'm glad the rest of you knew that it came in as you uh, did whatever you did um, to stay awake and stay up this morning. Thank you for those who have been praying. Continue to be in prayer, obviously, our pastor and his wife. And thank you for those who have prayed um, and know they're getting better. And feeling better, just not well enough to be here today. Otherwise, he'd be here. I would not be standing here. And I'm grateful for the opportunity, though. I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach the, the Word of God and to open up the Word of God. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for the Bible. I'm thankful for salvation. And just a great day to be thankful, to start off the year being thankful. And the first day of the year. And I'm thankful that you're here today. And uh, appreciate those of you that prayed for me to get feeling better. I pray that um, you'll notice uh, today I am feeling better, but I pray that um, the Lord will give me strength as I go throughout uh, this morning, sharing with you what God has put on my heart. And I had a lot of time to pray and to think and to lay there and to just pray and think and lay there. <laughs> it just seemed like that was the case, but uh, I'm thankful that's not the case anymore. I'm thankful for life. And man, I, I, I tell you what, you appreciate life when, you, when you're not feeling good. And uh, so I'm thankful. Um, matter of fact, today's title is this, This is the Life. And uh, this is the life. Now I put up there the, the sand and the, and the ocean and the, the bright sky. And we've had a heat wave of in the 50s. I know that. But uh, um, maybe, I don't know what you would consider this is the life to be. But oftentimes we would think of maybe our favorite place, uh, maybe our favorite thing, maybe our favorite person to be with. Um, and then we'd say, that is the life. And this is the life. Man, this tastes so good. This is the life. Or, or at a place where maybe you vacation or maybe you go or what you do. But I want to show you today that the Word of God is clear about what is the life. And this is the life that we'll look at today, I believe. And uh, thankful for what uh, the Lord has shown me in the Word of God. And you'll find yourself, if you would, in Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Would you find yourself there? Colossians chapter 3, the New Testament. I love the book of Colossians. And the book of Colossians is, is a small book, but it's very, very powerful. About four chapters, but man, they're loaded with uh, great truth. And uh, Colossians chapter 3, we'll be reading Colossians chapter 3 and just the first few verses of Colossians chapter 3 this morning. I'd like you to see something that uh, stands out in verse 4, I believe. Just five words, but they're small words, but they're powerful. And they're, they're great words, I think, that we can take with us even in a new year, and the uh, first day of the year. Verse 1 of Colossians 3, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. 
set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And would you notice, please, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life. Those five words, Christ, who is our life. I hope those will resonate with you today. Just take a moment, would you, and just meditate on those words. Christ, who is our life. I tell you what, that's the life. And this is the life, Christ, who is our life. It says, shall appear, then ye shall also appear with him in glory. What a statement. Christ, who is our life. You know, life, the way it is meant to be for the saved is that Christ is meant to be their life. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that wonderful? Acts 17, 27 and 28 says that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after Him. Can I ask you this morning, first day of the new year, are you happily feeling after Him? Are you happy about it? Because He's worthy of feeling after, and He's there for the taking. Though He be not far from every one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Can I ask you today, Christ, is he your life? Is he your life? Is Christ your life? You know, the temptation, I don't know about for you, but for me, can easily be just to have Christ some of my life. Just part of my life. Just fit in Christ where it's convenient. But Christ is not meant to be just a slice of the pie. He's meant to be the whole whole pie and and more, and Christ is meant to be our life. And if you want to find out what your life is, you have to ask yourself, what are you consumed with? See, if the question were to be asked to those closest to you, what do you believe to be their life? What is their life? I mean, what do they consume with? The kind of response could very well be from even others about what your life speaks to is what you are consumed with. One person said it this way, and I like it, life is what you are alive to. You know what kind of puts that that step, that jump kind of in that step, and what you you enjoy and what what you like and what you care about most and what you give most attention to. You know, for a child, it might be some place they're taken to. And, you know, you might throw out the words Disney or some, some place. And, and man, they, they, they just perk up. And, man, they become alive to it. And, man, they, they just, they are right in tune with you. And, man, they're geared into what's, what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and how are we getting there, and can we, can we pack now, and how many days are left, and how many nights do we have to get through to, before we go there. And, or it can be something as simple as even just ice cream. And they can get alive to that. A teenager, they might come alive when you talk about cars or, or shoes or something. Um, maybe a game they enjoy. As an adult, it might be someone that you care about. 
But can I say this morning, you know how wonderful it would be if we just all could become alive to anything that related to Christ at all? Just anything that related to Christ at all? I say this, this would be the life. Christ is our life. This is the life. I understand today is the first day of the new year. And sometimes before the new year or even as the new year starts to go and, and into place and, and as we begin the new year today, you might be thinking about goals or, or some resolutions or some adjustments or, or what your life is consumed with and hope maybe you're making some good adjustments to your life and what does your life look like? Maybe you're looking at that and maybe you've taken a pen and, and paper and written some things down and, and sometimes maybe we you know, even ask somebody, hey, hey what, what, is, what is your life? What do, you, what do you do? What do you enjoy doing? You know, I know sometimes this happens when maybe somebody's getting closer to the graduating years of high school, and they say, hey, what are you going to do with your life? And they ask that question, and almost as if, you know, they're supposed to know already going into life and, and have a grasp of what life even is. And as adults, we do well sometimes to just ask ourselves, what does my life reflect? And and what am I presently doing with my life for the Lord? What impact am I purposely making? What is your life like? Your family life? Your social life? Your church life? The life of hobbies? Your spiritual life? You know, something as good as church, I'm so thankful you chose to be here this morning. First day of the new year, you're at church. What a wonderful start. What a wonderful place to be. But you know, even something as good as church can become your life. And your whole life, work, job, occupation, that can become your life. And it become your whole life. I mean, hey, Paul was a tent maker, but it was not his life. Living for the next dollar can become the life for many people. Getting to the next vacation days can become a way of life. Politics can be your life if you want the life drained out of you. Stock market, that'll suck the life right out of you as well if you have that as your life. Good health can be your life, and that's a great thing, and hobbies and sports can be your life, and these are good things, but the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God, through His Holy Word, is saying, I want to give you some things that make up Christ being more than just your eternal life, but actually be all your life in every area of your life. Christ, who is our life. I want to ask you this morning, is Christ your life. Would you be known? Will I be known by Christ being my life? For that to take place, number one this morning, we got to see that the greatest privilege of life is the person of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest privilege of life. If you have Jesus this morning, you have all you need. And let's take a brief look at Colossians 2. I mean, look at, look at how clear this is in verse 9, would you? Colossians 2, verse 9, it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Notice verse 10, And ye are complete in him. It doesn't get much better than that, folks. It's just that it covers it all. Ye are complete in him. The fullness of Godhead bodily, and in him dwelleth all the fullness of that. And, and then ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Notice who this is written to in Colossians chapter 1. Would you bounce back there with me? 
book of Colossians, we'll find ourselves there a good bit today. Hope you'll be able to follow along. But Colossians chapter 1 says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus our brother, to who? The saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to those who are in Christ. That would include you and me that are in Christ. We're complete in Him. In Him dwelleth all the fullness. And notice verse 3, because of this, we should give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Why, who do we have? Well, we have verse 3, we have God, the Father, and, and, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's all three represented there, God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful for salvation. It's not from me, it's not from you, it's not from us, it's from God. God has graciously given us salvation. And notice what comes with that, verse 2, at peace from God our Father. Grace and peace from God, and we give thanks to God. I understand this is being the first day of the new year, but how often do you and I just thank God for salvation? Thank Him for a family that's saved. Thank Him for a church home like Open Bible. Thank Him for a heavenly home like heaven one day. When we'll lay our eyes on Jesus Christ, the one who died for us. Thank God for the influences in our life. If you have them, not everybody does. Thank God for them, godly influences. And one of the worst things you and I can do as Christians is take God for granted. That's one of the worst things you and I can do. Notice verse 4, Paul says this. He said, I heard of your faith. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints... You know, their faith was placed in Christ, the right person. When something is taken for granted, we, we don't thank that person. We don't thank God for what He's given to us. Man, I don't want to take God for granted this year. I don't want to take God for granted today. I don't want to take God for granted at all. I want to get over what God has done. You, you know this, you realize any blessing, any good thing in your eye is only God with you and I. That's all, that's all it is. It comes down to in Romans 7, 18, it says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And I'm so glad of verse 5 of chapter 1, it says this, For the hope which is later for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Hey, it's coming to you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit. By the grace of God, you and I don't deserve that it's come to us, that it came to you, that it came to me, but it did. And Jesus, yes, born in that manger, came to die for your sin and my sin so that we can take Him as our Savior. And thank God He came. And He came to you and came to me. And we get to experience the grace of God. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But Jesus cared enough about our soul that he died for it. And notice what Epaphras did, this man named Epaphras, in verse 7. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. What a description. 
even if he didn't know much about Epaphras, although he came to know the gospel and he took it back to his hometown and it's very much um, concluded that Paul most likely was the one who led him to the Lord and he's a dear fellow servant of Paul and Timotheus, the brother, and Paul is writing this to these men and to the saints and to the faithful ones there and to this church in Colossae. And he's saying, Epaphras, hey, you're a faithful minister of Christ. And you're being a faithful minister. He says these words. He said, who is for you? Who is for you a faithful minister? I want to ask you this morning. Let's just stop right now and let's just ask ourselves this question because God put this conviction into my heart and He prompted this question to me before I ask you this. Who are you being a minister to? Who is for you this year going to be that you're going to be the faithful minister of Jesus Christ to them? Who is for you? Who is for me? Who is for you that you and I are going to walk through the gospel and share the hope of salvation with them? And Jesus Christ, who's come unto us, is, is, is allowed to be for the whole world to come unto them. But they got to know, they got to hear, and they can't hear without a preacher, and they can't hear the gospel unless we want to be some minister of Christ to someone and someone else. Who is for you? Who is that for you? Is there someone you can put in the blank? Is there a neighbor? Is there a coworker? Is there a friend? Who is for you that you're going to be a minister and faithful minister of Christ to them? Who am I being a faithful minister of Christ to? Who will I become a faithful minister of Christ to? Well, I got to be careful. I got to be watchful because if we're not careful, if we're not watchful, we can become so content so complacent so quickly to let day after day and month after month and year after year just go by. And I don't know when the last time I told someone about Christ, and I don't know when the last time I talked to somebody about Jesus. we got to be careful because days are ticking. Time is of the essence. We say, oh, man, this world, and it is so bad. Well, if it's so bad, we better get so busy. And we better share the gospel. Because it's not just for you to be keep to yourself. It's selfish. And it's something that we need to share. Who is for you? Who is for me? God, help me to lead some more people to Christ this year and more than last year. And as a direct result of, of just being a witness and just being willing to say, I'm, I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. No, I'm gonna have some, I want to have some boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ because He's worthy to be talking about. He's worthy to be sharing. He's worthy to be passing out a track to. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, somebody knew what to tell you about the gospel, so the gospel's still good. It's still there that we can share it. It can be done. I think often of this song, I think, will there be people in heaven as a result of, of the witness and opening our mouth boldly? I think of this song. I think of the value of one. What a song. And it goes like this. It's, don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. But will you be the one? In a world full of broken dreams, where the truth is hard to find, for every promise that is kept, there are many left behind. Though it seems that nobody cares, it still matters what you do. Because there's a difference you can make, but the choice is up to you. Will you be the one?
to answer to His call? Will you stand when those around you fall? Will you be the one, notice please, to take His light into a darkened world? Tell me, you will be the one. Oh, it, sometimes it's hard to know who's right and what's wrong and where you're supposed to stand and when the, ba- when the battle lines are drawn, there's a, there's a voice that's calling out. And, but it's for someone who's not afraid. It's to be a beacon in the night. It's to a world that's lost its way. Because, see, there are still some battles that, I, that we must fight from day to day. And the Lord's going to provide the power for me to stand and say, yes, I will be the one to answer to his call. Yes, I will stand when those around me fall. I will be the one to take his light into a darkened world. I will be the one. Can that be your commitment today? Will you say that you'll be the one? Who is for you? There's, there's people there. Oh, there's a harvest field, but the laborers are few. Why does it matter that Christ is my life and that Christ is our life? Because this Think about this. This is what Spurgeon said. He said, the Bible is not the light. Listen closely, please. The Bible is not the light of the world. It's the light of the church. And the problem is the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. And you and I are the light of the world. And so we got to get it to that dark world. Epaphras, he knew where Christ came into his life. He knew it's where Christ Life began, and it continued. The greatest privilege of life is the person of Jesus Christ. And so notice what we can do in verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, chapter 1, verse 12, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, He's delivered us from the power of darkness. He's translated us into His kingdom of His dear Son. We have redemption through His blood. It's such a privilege to be a child of God, to be adopted into God's family. Ephesians says, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. I'm adopted. Hallelujah. Found a new home, found a new family. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Beloved, sons of God, adopted into God's family. Would you watch this brief video with me about a boy that's getting adopted here on this earth? Would you watch it with me? What do you mean? Okay, this is for you. This is from all of us. All of us. Look at the picture first. Look at the thing first. Bottom of it. Can I see it? Okay, I want you to read that out loud. Carter, this is our most recent picture of, of our family. All of us would love for you to be in the next picture and to be part of our family. Carter, would you like to be a kid part? And be in a brother, we love you. <laughs> what do you think, buddy? Yay! 
can, we're going to adopt you, Carter. You probably didn't catch it at the end there, but immediately he says just thank you. And I wonder this morning, you know, this is a physical family, but you and I have been adopted into a spiritual family. And you know, as important as it is for to be adopted into a physical family, it's just as important, if not even more important, to be adopted into a spiritual family. But you know what comes naturally when you think about being adopted into God's family? It should be a thank you. Boy, that wasn't rehearsed. That young man, crying tears, emotional, being invited into the family. First time in his life. Carter, now into that family. What a Christmas present. But you know what? What a present we have that God has given to us. And I'm adopted. I'm a child of the King. God is my Father. And He owns everything. He walks beside me. He's my very best friend. Praise God, I'll never be lonely again because I'm adopted. Hallelujah. I've got a new song. I finally belong. I'm a child of my Father above. It's all because of who Jesus is. It's because of Christ. And the greatest privilege you and I have is Jesus Christ, is what I'm trying to say this morning. In verse 15, look, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. By Him were all things created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And verse 18, and He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. See, if you or I want to live a life more abundantly and free, we've got to live it in Christ and for Christ. And it's going to take all things. And it's going to be give it all to, to God and all to Him. And when's the last time your eyes said, Hey, God, I give it all to you. And, and I'm all, I'm all, am, am I doing all you want me to, to do? Am, am I being all you want me to be? And... I'm all yours. I ask you this morning, not whether you're living a life to your fullest, but whether you're living a life to the fullest of Christ in you. The hope of glory. Oh, it gets so good. In verse 21 it says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, ye now hath been reconciled. I'm a friend of God. No longer an enemy. Praise God. Verse 22, I'm pre- how I'm presented. Look, I'm presented. Verse 22, are you with me? Chapter 1, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. This is how I'm presented, holy and unblameable. I, gotta, I should live like it. I'm, it's not a, accused. It's, it's unaccused. It's not blame. It's blameless. It's not that I can be called into account. No, it's that I, there is an account, and the account stands good with Jesus. And it's without reproach. I mean, I was a sinner, but I, but, but I came pardoned to receive from the Lord. This was freely given, and I found that He always keeps His Word. Because you know why? There's a new name written down in glory. And guess what? It's mine. Guess what? It's yours. And the white Roman angels sing the story, A sinner has come home. New name written down in glory. It's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Sin's forgiven. I'm bound for heaven. Never more to roam. Question, I, since we have been granted the greatest privilege of all, Jesus Christ, how does this affect our life? I believe there's some privileges that we can see here that can reflect whether or not we look at Christ as the greatest privilege. Would you notice, please, verse 9. Back to verse 9. Just some, some simple things here today that are privileges. Privileges. 
Because this is the life. Notice, please, the privilege of prayer. Man, there should be a screen that has all these listed as well. The privilege of prayer is the first one, though. The privilege of prayer. Prayer is a true privilege. You know, prayer conducts its business in the heavenly. Prayer is not a joke. It's spiritual warfare. How many of you know that to be true? Yes. And those of you who know that to be true is because you've, you've tried. And you've tried again and continue to try and continue to pray. And we're to pray fervently. And we're to pray with consistency. And we're to pray with passion. And the effectual fervent prayer is the mightiest weapon for God's mightiest soldiers. Remember Elijah? In James it says this, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. You know what? The, the, there was a movement that was taking place here. Rain? No rain? It was a prayer movement. That's why. And any great movement for God is done through the instrument of prayer. You know, oftentimes I think our duties and our plans, I know this to be the case, because it's a struggle, the, the, the back and forth, the, the flesh and the spirit and the fight is there, that our plans and our schedules can constitute, we think, good reason to reduce our time spent in prayer. Martin Luther said this, it takes extra work to be in prayer. And with extra work in his life, he, he believed that he should pray more. And so he said, that extra work is a strong argument to devote more time in prayer. One day Martin Luther was asked his plans for the day. He, he said, well, I'm going to work from early to late. In fact, I have so much to do that I will spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. Prayers work. Notice Colossians 4, would you? Verse 12. Colossians 4, verse 12. Last chapter of Colossians and Epaphras. That, there's that guy again. Who is one of you, it says, verse 12, a servant of Christ. Still got a great testimony going here. Notice what he's doing, though. Saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. This laboring fervently in prayers is actually implies like wrestling, an agony, and an, and an anguish. And, and, and really, really the struggle is there and the struggle is real. It's, a, it's like a force, a prayer force, which makes saints. And it's the holy characters are, are formed by the power of praying. And he's, he's going to mightily with his prayers. He's not playing. He's, he's, not, he's not looking at this as just something that's kind of pretty and petty prayer. No, he is toiling and laboring and getting down into it. And, and it's a real deal for him. See, prayers that break through heaven's gates require time and effort. And it's laborsome work. Prayer is labor. Remember Jesus, our example, in Gethsemane? The Garden of Gethsemane. What was He so burdened for the sin of the world that in agony, in agony, He prayed more earnestly? See, the privilege of Christ, it will put within me a desire to grow my relationship with Him. That's why you have these things down through verse 9 through, through verse 12. Do you see them? The knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Not social understanding, not secular understanding, spiritual understanding. What a privilege. I mean, I want to live out this privilege. And with that privilege comes responsibility to walk worthy. 
Walk worthy of our Lord unto all pleasing. It's possible to please God. It's possible to walk worthy of the Lord. I'm so thankful that we can walk worthy of the Lord, but it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some time. It's going to, put, it's going to have to take some energy. And you know, we can just be about our good works and say others should not count on those for heaven, and they should not because it's not going to do them any good, not a worse than any man should boast. But you know what? I don't want to just go about good works. I want to be fruitful in every good work. Don't you want to be fruitful this year? It's going to be fruitful in your life and spiritual. It's going to take some effort. Fruit just doesn't just pop out of the branch. It doesn't just come because there's no water that's been given to it. There's no digging and no toiling that, that takes place. No, there, it, it takes some effort. And I want to increase. That sounds like something that I need to continue to go after then. And what am I want to increase after? Well, the Bible says increase in the knowledge of God. And all these are found in Colossians 1, 9 through 12. And then strengthen with all might according to His power. To have patience and long-suffering. But notice it says, not just have patience and long-suffering. You and I can have patience with each other. We can long-suffer. In other words, suffer long with someone. But it says joyfulness. That's a game-changer. Big time. With joyfulness. And this is what can be done as you, as you realize the greatest privilege of my life is Jesus. And so with Jesus come these other privileges. And because of Jesus, then I want to live out these privileges in my life as well. Because of what he's doing in my life. Because he's, I'm increasing the knowledge of God. I want to be fruitful. I want to be strengthened. I want to have the joyfulness of my, and my patience and my long-suffering. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give thanks to the Father. You know what I'm going to do? Well, there again, it goes back to what I have. Who is for you, Epaphras? You're a faithful minister. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take preaching and warning and teaching. And that, that's where you find, and that's actually found in verse 28 of Colossians 1. Because Christ is in you, verse 27, the hope of glory. Well, because of this, then we need to preach, we need to warn every man, and we need to teach every man in all wisdom. Why? Because we want to see people presented every man perfect in Jesus Christ. Hey, you're presented perfect in Jesus Christ when you take Christ as your Savior. But don't you want others to have that same decision, have that same completion, have that same perfection brought to their life? The way it happens, we've got to preach, we've got to warn, and it's not just preach behind a pulpit. This is talking about like Mark 16, 15, preach the gospel to every creature and to go out and to really share that good news, the gospel. That's what it's all about. Because we can allow this to take place and work mightily in us. And it's going to take labor, though. Verse 29, whereunto I also labor, striving according to His working, which worketh in me mightily. Man, let's go after these privileges. Hey, I have a cheap pen here, a gel pen. But you know, it works pretty well for me when I write on the paper. And I'm thankful that it, that it works. But if I had a Mont, Mont Blanc, which I don't, if someone wants to give me one, I'd be happy to use it as an illustration right now. But the thing of it is, I don't have it, right? And if I did have it and say it didn't work, then what good is it? Let me go back to my gel pen, right? It's cheap. It's, it, it, it costs a whole lot less. It's not as much value. But at least it works. At least it's doing its job when it goes onto the paper. And put it simply this, anything that doesn't do what it's made for is not following its purpose. And God has given us a purpose. And this is the purpose. Prayer, knowledge of His will, walk worthy, be fruitful in every good work, increase the knowledge of God, be strengthened with all might according to His power, 
have patience, long suffering, with joyfulness, give thanks to the Father, and then I'm to share the gospel, preach, warn, teach, so that others can be perfect in Jesus. This is what it amounts to. This is what God wants. Lastly, this morning, secondly, Christ is our life. This is, a, this is the life, I mean, because of who is our life? Jesus. Then he has to have preeminence. Number two, preeminence. And the only way for that to happen this morning is this. You and I got to check our direction. We got to check the direction. You know, I'm thankful for Siri at times when, when that Siri corrects and construction comes about or accident takes place on the road and, and you know, they, it recalibrates and goes to the shortest, quickest route. You are still on the shortest, quickest route. Right? You heard that before? And what direction you're following? And, you know, sometimes we have to reroute ourselves spiritually. Notice all the direction that's covered, though, in chapter 1 and 23. Would you notice it says, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled? That's downward. The direction's covered. In chapter 2, every chapter has direction covered. Chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, rooted and built up in him. That's an upward direction covered. So we got the downward direction of chapter 1, 23, faith grounded and settled. Now we have rooted and built up in him. That's an upward. Notice chapter 3, verse 3, for the inward. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in, inward, in God. And then chapter 4, for the direction of outward. So we have downward, we have upward, now we have inward, and then we have outward. Chapter 4, verse 5, is to become real in our life, and so much so it says, walk in wisdom. Chapter 4, verse 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Redeem the time. So downward, faith, grounded, settled. Upward, rooted and built up in Him, 2-7. Chapter 3, verse 3, God inward. Chapter 4, verse 5, outward. Wisdom toward them. that are. Sounds like all directions are covered. They are. Because God wants every direction of our life put toward Him and Him alone. Look, God says we're complete in Him. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. But then He says in verse 6, He says, As ye have, then so walk. Chapter 2, verse 6, it says, As ye have therefore received Christ, Jesus Lord, then so walk. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, then do this. Ye then be, seek those things which are above. How do you do that? Well, verse 2, it says, Set your affection on things above. i got to get my mind in the place where I'm setting my mind on the things that are above, the things that God says are important i got to habitually set my attention on what God places attention to. He gave me His Word so I know how to live on this earth, and so I can have my mind brought to captivity, and my heart set above. And Christ is our life. Who Christ? Christ is our life. This is the life. And by the way, here's the difference. It's the difference of who or what. It really is. Chapter 4, or excuse me, verse 4, Christ who is our life of chapter 3. And then notice what it says. It says, verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Those are all the what's. What do you have your focus on? What's your life? Well, here's what it comes down to. It's either on what, things on the earth. Here's the what this, that. This is what it is. This is what it is. This is where it is. This is who it is. No, no. No, it's only supposed to be who, which is just Christ. 
Christ is our life. He's to be my life, like all of my life, like 24-7, like, like seven days a week, like, you know, all, all, every month and, and leap year included and, and everything. Like all of my life, I'm complete in Him, so I'm to be complete in my life with Him. And it's either who or it's what. And that's what it comes down to. And so the premise of life is meant to be Christ. So Colossians just says, I'm going to walk in Him. I'm going to be rooted in Him. I'm going to be built up in Him. I'm going to be brought to perfection in Him. I'm going to be dead with Him. I'm going to be risen with Him. I'm going to be hidden with Him. And it's all in Him. Every bit of it. And so the the true, real, and satisfying life is found, this is the life, when Christ is your life. And so that's what it comes down to. And so the last thing we got to check, not only our direction, what direction we're headed with our life. Is it Christ? Does Christ show up in every part of my life? Not where is He? Not when, when can I bounce Him in and include Him into my life? No, not, not anything excluded from a, from a life. No, it's not just I'm going to fit Him in when it's convenient. No, it's, it's Christ to be all of our life. My, what a wonderful thing that would be for all of us. We could do that this year. And lastly, what it'll take is it's gonna ch- we got to check our devotion. We've got to check our devotion. So first, the greatest proof of my life is Jesus Christ. If I want to make Him preeminent, in other words, superior, in other words, first, I've got to check my direction. Where am I headed? What am I doing with my life? What does my life look like this year? I'm going to check my devotion. Because in Colossians 3, verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That's within. And then verse 17, it says this, And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You know what that covers? Within and without. Within and without. Within, I'm going to dwell in richly. I'm going to dwell in the Word of God richly in all wisdom. Let Christ dwell in me and the Word of, word of Christ and, and teaching and admonishing and, and the Psalms and hymns and goes on to, to show us how that looks and what that looks like. And in verse 18 it says, then it's going to go without. It's, not, it's, not, it's going to start within and it's going to kind of bubble out to the out and without whatsoever you do in word or deed, anything that's being done, whatever I say, whatever I do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, when Christ is your life, then He's not excluded from anything. He's not. As a matter of fact, He covers all relationships. Look at verse 1 through 11. It shows you how the purity of your life is to be. Verse 12 through 17 of, of chapter, this is chapter three, um, 3, mind you, chapter 3, excuse me. And so 12 through 17, the fellowship, how you treat other people. 18 through 21, home life as a parent, spouse, and as a, as a child, it covers that. Children obey your parents and Lord, and husbands love your wives, and, and servants obey in all things. Well, the servants is talking about how I'm, how I'm to behave at work and what I'm to do and obey in all things your masters according to the time I serve, but in the singleness of heart, fearing God. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as the Lord and not unto men. And, and then chapter 4, verse 2 through 6, is the witness of the gospel. And verse 7 through 18, it's the areas of my service. I mean, it just sounds like God's got it all covered. He does. And He's got it all figured out for you and I for every area of our life to really show that, hey, Christ is to be our life. Like all of it. Not just a certain percentage. 100% plus. All of it. 
Such devotion to Christ that there's not any area of my life where Christ is excluded, but today and every day, what a life. I mean, what past even, what a wonderful life. Some of you watched that just recently. You know what the greatest life is? This is the life. Christ as our life. Is it obvious this morning? Is it obvious with your family? Is it obvious with you and your God? That's the big one. That Christ is your life. Has Christ been replaced with something or someone? God's desire for all of us today is this. And this year, really. That Christ be our life. Because I will say this. Christ, who is our life, This is the life. This is the life. And that will only happen as we on purpose place Him first as our life. Hey, so-and-so, this is their life. Hey, so-and-so, Christ is their life. What a difference. What a difference can take place, but it's up to you or I. May God help us. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I ask that you'll help us this morning. And I pray that even myself, we preach this once again and continue to be reminded of it throughout this year. May Christ be so obvious. May it just show forth in our life that in all things you are preeminent. And Lord, that you are our life. Thank you that you're the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh the Father but, but through you. Thank you that you gave us life because you laid down your life. And Lord, I pray that You'll help anyone this morning who does not know you to come to know you as their personal Savior to experience what true life is like, found in eternal life, the hope and the home of heaven that can be granted to them, I pray. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.